Hello and welcome to the Theology Meets Reality podcast, the podcast for people who seek to follow Christ in the midst of the messiness of life and parenting. We are Lisa and Greg Casimir, and we are not afraid to deviate from the norm of culture, even Christian culture, to make sure that we are applying what we believe about God to how we live. This is season two of our podcast where we're talking about finding hope in suffering. This is a difficult but important topic that we want to cover because distinguishing what God has to say on suffering compared to what we hear from the culture will also give us help for our own suffering and grace and power to help others. One of the beautiful truths about suffering is that God enters into it with us and that many times it's through the cracks of pain in our lives that God's light shines the brightest. In this episode, episode eight, we are discussing fear and anxiety. Please join us as we look to God for hope and help in this difficult struggle. Hey, Lisa. (laughs) Hi, Greg. Welcome to another podcast. That's right. And this one, it's going to be a good one. That's right. We're going to start out today by talking, since we're talking about anxiety and like stressful things, we're going to talk about some calming things that we do in the evenings. Uh, we got a few things in our repertoire. Other than like going to bed. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of our kids, like our little kids was asking what we do when they go to bed. And we said we like do the dishes and then sit around and we're like, we're tired. We should go to bed. <laughs> That's, that is what we do a lot of nights. And he goes, yes. you're joking. We're like, we're not joking. <laughs> it didn't used to be this way. And then, how old are you? Yeah, since about that long. Um, no, it was bad. Like it was worse earlier when we had like babies. I remember like when we had like a newborn. I don't know, like our third or something. And the, I would like brush my teeth like at seven o'clock, <laughs> yeah. so that as soon as like she was in bed, I could go right to sleep. Yeah. Those are very tiring days. Um, yeah, but if we're not going directly to sleep, um, one of my favorite things to do, and I think you enjoy it, but maybe not. Oh, I, me, I enjoy it. As we really like reading like Ella Montgomery books. So like we've read several of the Anne series and we read um, The Blue Castle, which is one of my favorite books. That's a really good book. And the reason that it's, like it's always fun to read together, but like the reason those books are like so perfect for calming is because like the author always knows how to bring everything to right. Like you're never concerned that Mm -hmm. something like terribly, something terrible or wrong, you know, where where the person ends up with the wrong person or something like that. Like happens in her books. It always, there's like a happy ending and it's very, and also the language is so beautiful and like the descriptions are really comforting and I really enjoy it. It's very like feel good. All those novels are really feel good novels. So sometimes we'll read those. Yeah. And other times we have our own books individually that we're reading and we'll just sit in the quiet of the house and read. And it's very, very relaxing. And also, we will listen to the, uh, we have a a podcast that we listen to called Praying with the Saints, um, that they just, the priest uh, in the Anglican Church just talks about um, saints from, like, across all times and all locations in the world, 
and their life, but also there's a whole like prayer service that he does with it. Um, and it like prays over you yeah. basically. Um, and that it's, that's really nice. Yeah. That's really calming right before going to sleep to like have someone pray over you basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like to hear all those words that from the book of common prayer. So sometimes we'll do that. Yeah. So today we're talking about fear and anxiety, particularly anxiety. And this is a really prevalent issue like in general. And then I know it's like spiked a ton since and during and because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a new idea. And I was thinking about that the other day. Like it's not as if other people weren't anxious or fearful, like, <laughs> you know, the hundreds yeah. and thousands of years ago. Yeah. Um, even it's not just us today. Um, and I feel like this hits really close to home because we've had anxiety in our house. And I would say like, particularly with me, I've experienced anxiety over the years in like shorter, short spurts. Like I would, I have had panic attacks over the years in like small sections, not like on a regular basis, or I've had like little periods of anxiety as we've gone through something really difficult. But then this past year I had anxiety that really didn't relent for many, many months. I've never had it go on so long or be so difficult to shake. Yeah. Um, and it really gave me a lot of um, like compassion for other people who deal with it. And also like I'm just um, in awe of people who deal with this on a chronic basis for many, for a lot longer than I have. Not that it's like completely gone, but I feel like anxiety is something I've really, really struggled with lately due to a lot of circumstances in our, in life. Yeah. Big and small uh, things like, you know, the big worldwide uh, cause of anxiety and also just individual things. Yeah. I wasn't sure like how much I was, (laughs) how much I was going to particularly talk about, but basically last year I had, I had to go to the emergency room and found out I had like a, chronic like i don't know syndrome or something it's not like a disease but yeah like, i don't know how you would describe it like physical uh, issue that won't kill you that's like annoying <laughs> <laughs> and, that is accurate that is accurate and at the same time like it was the beginning of the pandemic and so we were like cut off from community and like our church wasn't meeting and stuff like that and then greg and i were disagreeing on some really big issues related to career, mm-hmm. which is stressful. And then someone in my family was super sick and was far away. And that was super stressful. And like, there were a bunch of other things I'm sure. Um, it all kind of like coincided. And then the things I would typically do to like try to maintain like a good mental health, like I didn't have access to because of the pandemic. And I'm sure you can relate listening to this um and the the downside was it was really 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 hard and the upside was there was like no place to run um the people that i usually like vented to like weren't available um the places i would go the activities i would do generally weren't available and so i absolutely like just ran to god because i didn't have any other place to go but it was a really big struggle for me. And so I do have um, great compassion for people who are struggling with this now. And we're hoping like there's a lot of hope in this, even if you're struggling with it and have been for a long time. Um, there's God is so in, in this whole 
season of hope for suffering. Like God is so compassionate and there's so much hope for people suffering. So I, there's so much to talk about. We're actually going to split this into two podcasts and the podcast today, we're going to talk about what fear and anxiety is, how our culture breeds fear and anxiety. And we're going to look at scripture as the plumb line for how we think about the topic. And then next time we're going to talk about more specifically about, um, some more biblical principles and we're going to talk about practical ways to deal with anxiety and how we can deal with anxiety as parents and help our children in that. And so definitely come back for the second episode because there's a lot to cover. I didn't want to cut anything out. Yeah. It's technically two things, fear and anxiety. So it's really a double podcast at the very least. Yeah. At the very least. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be really interesting. So anyway, stick around. If you want to add to the conversation, you can email us at theology meets reality at outlook.com and feel free to share this podcast because we're not on social media. Like it really is only going to get around by people searching for it or people sharing it. So if you will share it or rate it, that also helps it to pop up in people's searches. So we so appreciate that. And this is a good time to mention uh, that we are not uh, counselors and you know, that, we are happy to, um, you know, hear from you, um, but we, uh, we are, our advice is not um, in place of uh, professional counseling if you uh, are really struggling. Yeah, we're not going to be giving out any advice, um, but, like, but like you said, we're not counselors or mental health professionals. We don't even, not even like experts on anxiety, but the point is that we're, like not that we're experts on these topics, but that we try to look back at scripture and um, help everybody to think about what scripture says in comparison to like what culture and church is doing so that we can reconcile. Right. But yeah, that's a really good point. Don't think that we can, that we're of any help or (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about next. Like when you define anxiety, it's also a huge spectrum. So technically it's the body's response to worry and fear. That's what anxiety is. And of course there can be like, it can be good in certain emergency instances or in certain situations. And then how people suffer with anxiety is huge on a whole spectrum. There's a multitude of anxiety disorders um, for a variety of different things and um, whether they're chronic or short, short term and what is required for that. So um, some people have are dealing with anxiety on a level that I have never experienced. And I understand that. And it's not that it's not the same thing. So we're going to talk about it in a really general term and not, I can't get, we can't get to all the specifics and we don't even know all of those things. Yeah. So, um, I think it's really helpful for us to share some of our stories and suffering in general, because I feel like it takes some of the power out of it and the stigma out of it when we hear from other Christians who've struggled too. Yeah. Okay. I know there have been times when I've talked with people um, about like some of the things that I've like struggled with and it's just been really helpful because they're, they will oftentimes share too. Like you generally wouldn't know what people are struggling with. Yeah. And anxiety and fear isn't something that's just for non-Christians or weak Christians as we'll learn from the Bible later. It doesn't say anything about your Christian maturity that you're dealing with it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just something that you're suffering from. So I feel like if we can talk about it, even if we don't do it perfectly, like on, on this podcast, 
it's beneficial. So me first. Oh, to talk about it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of already shared about mine. You oh, can yeah. or you don't have to. I was just kind of talking generally. Like, that's why I feel like it's important to con- to consider this topic. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the one that jumped in my head um, that was just a really prolonged period of anxiety for me was that my uh, employer at the time uh, wasn't handling uh, the pandemic well. And, you know, the, I had my mask on, um, like as before I entered the building all the way through when I left the building, but, you know, opinions differed on the efficacy and point of wearing masks. And so like, I was basically just in a constant state of anxiety being at my work because if they're if the people that I'm working with are unwilling to wear a mask like inside the building when that is the stated policy that wasn't enforced, then they're not wearing masks like elsewhere. And so it's like I'm I'm the the vector through which my family could get sick because other other than me going to work because I was required to to continue being paid, uh like you and the kids were at home, basically, like, you know, pandemic quarantined, not all your activities were canceled, you guys weren't going anywhere. So just like every day, like, uh, do I, is it worth leaving my office to go do my job around all these people who are not taking things even remotely seriously? And so I was just, I carried that anxiety like every day. Yeah, I'm sure part of it, like, wasn't part of it just that like, you're coming up against like, a really different value system yes yeah so it wasn't yeah it was like both of those combined right yeah yeah and you know we even had um we had a uh like an exposure scare in my office suite that you know we all had to be quarantined for two weeks because there was a chance that we were um directly we, we were directly exposed to someone who like soon after tested positive. And then just, it was just like super high stress level, super high anxiety, which is a response. Like my fight or flight response was just like constant. Yeah. That does sound really stressful and <laughs> like a lot of anxiety. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate. Cause one of the challenges of the pandemic was like, you had to make all these decisions all the time that should have already been made. Like, how to handle you know a work day or yeah yeah how to go to the store and stuff like that and you you like there was some at least on my part there was some like basic assumption of like everyone's gonna be like at least at this base level in handling this and that was not the case yeah that was really eye-opening um and a struggle it was a real struggle in yeah. many ways. So that was, that was my anxiety in the last year and a half. Oof. Yeah. And I'm sure this is very relatable, like whether you dealt with it during the pandemic or not, because our culture breeds fear and anxiety in so many ways. I just like came up with a bunch off the top of my head. You probably come up with some also, but like 
one of the things our society is values is being individualistic. Like you're supposed to do it yourself and you're supposed to do it all. And just like that, that idea that it's up to you to make and break it is stressful. <laughs> yeah. Just that notion. And then of course, like the goal of life, according to culture and society is like to get up on top, whether it's like to be famous or rich or whatever, but that's your goal is you, you have to get to the top on your own. Yeah. Keep achieving. Cause if you're yeah. not achieving, then you're failing. And then with regards to like advertisements, constantly marketers are telling you what you're lacking so that they can sell you a product or service. So, and that you deserve it. Well, all the time. Well, the, it's, it's that they're telling you what you're lacking, right? So like you didn't necessarily realize you were missing something, yeah. but then it can cause anxiety because you didn't realize because they're telling you what you don't have that you should have kind of thing. Yeah. Which, you know, it's brand new or something, you know, who knows? It never existed before and you didn't know you needed it and you probably still don't. Well, now that it's just a product, it's like there's a need that the product is meeting. Gotcha. Um, and then of course, like if you watch the news, that's really stressful because the news intentionally sell, tells the worst stories, which we hear from all over the world. So you're basically hearing like the worst things or a spin on the worst things from all around the world all the time. So if that would obviously cause some fear and anxiety. Yeah. And you know, I try to not expose myself to a whole lot of news i'm not the best at it but like you know once upon a time like you you would get your news like basically once a day in like the evening news and it would mostly be local news yeah i really think i i really try to stay away from the news i think that we're not meant to know everything that's happening on every section of the globe and then that it just breeds like a false sense of pride too how so because that we think we're so important that we need to go know what's going on in every country oh, of the world you. as if we could do anything about it. Yeah, like we need a morning brief of I need uh, to, everything yeah, that's going exactly. on in the world because it's my job to make sure nothing falls through the cracks and I solve the world's problems. Exactly. It's like, dude, I don't even know what I'm having for lunch today. Like, I don't have time for that. Yeah, and there's something that goes with that with the idea of you hear so many bad things are happening, but like your ability to do anything about those things is very small mm -hmm. for most Things. This is true. Whereas, like you said, if it was kind of like a local thing, you hear something very local that is a problem. Maybe you could actually do something about it. Yeah. Um, I remember when there was a hurricane um, that was several hours away from us, but actually we were like close enough that we could actually like give items and put them on a truck that was going there. And I felt like that was kind of cool because usually hurricanes are far enough away that like you can basically just send money and like, that's pretty much it. Right. Um, but it's the, when you have anxiety and fear and there's nothing you can do about it, that just makes it worse. Um, and then I've got a couple more things I came up with off the top of my head. So politicians stir up fear and i heard that they this happens on purpose because it's easier to create fear than feelings of happiness so while a politician could appeal to hey these are all the things you would like about me or things that i'm going to do that you'll like it's actually easier to get people to change their emotions to fear than to happiness so they will instead cause you to fear other things because it's that's just a quicker like reaction yeah um so that's a strategy and then 
This last one is like information overload, which is a more recent thing that our culture has added with the lovely internet and like social media and all that kind of stuff. Um, And I'm referencing a book called Breaking Bread with the Dead by Alan Jacobs. And in his book, he talks about this issue where we have information overload, which is a sense that we're always receiving more data than we know how to evaluate. So we don't even have time to like consider the data because we just get so much. And then also there's a general feeling of social acceleration that the world is not only changing, but changing faster and faster. So you kind of feel this rush to keep up with what's going on because you're already going to be, it's going to go out before you even realized what was going on. And so he combines these two to say that there is an informational triage. So like triage is like how you separate and sort. So if you have like some kind of huge emergency and people are coming to the hospital, you have like a triage where they decide where you're going to go, right? So the people who are about to die, like have to be separated into a first priority versus the people who have smaller wounds, right? Right. That's what a triage is. And um, that's kind of what our brains do. We have so much information that we have to try to triage it and we don't have time to even like evaluate. And it's just this really stressful situation um, because of just the great amount of information that we have all the time. And even if you do try to stay off the internet a lot, which I try to do as much as I feel like I'm able generally, I mean, there's like, there are advertisements while you're pumping gas that like, you know, like video and sound and everything now. Yeah. It's so annoying. Things like that, where it's just so much information that it causes this problem in our brain, basically. So, I feel like if we don't actively resist all these things, which are really hard to do, but if you have to like at least try to actively resist them or you're just going to be swept up into it. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's, it's a proverbial flood of information and things that are outside your control. And yeah, if you don't, if you don't do things to try to mitigate how much is coming at you, you're just swept away. Yeah. There's, there's just too much that's too scary uh, all the time. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about how culture deals with this. So I found some interesting articles. One of them is called Surprising Ways to Beat Anxiety and Become Mentally Strong According to Science. And I'll link this in the show notes. But what I thought was really interesting about it is of course it's like a secular article, but it kind of grasps at what we need from God. So some of the things that they ended up saying were coping mechanisms for anxiety that are according to science are helpful are forgiveness, like forgiving yourself mainly and forgiving others. Um, having a purpose in life, you need a purpose that will have you, um, not have as much anxiety. Um, And then grace, like we need to give ourselves grace, but where does the grace come from? Well, if, if it's a secular idea, then the grace comes from ourselves. It's kind of interesting that they're kind of like getting close to kind of what God gives us. But of course you have to conjure all this up in yourself, which I don't know how you do. If you're already struggling, how do you like conjure up these things on your own? I'm not sure. Um, 
And there's another article that I thought was really interesting. It kind of has, it has like good ways that I think are positive to deal with anxiety and the negative ways that, that culture deals with it. Of course there's negative ways. Um, it's called why we're hardwired to worry and what we can do to calm down. So I'm going to focus on the things that they say we can do to calm down. So some of the positive things are mindfulness training, which made me think immediately of Philippians 4.8. Of course, that's not what they're thinking of, but it's the idea that you train your brain to think about certain things and not think about others. And that's exactly what Philippians 4.8 is about, where it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Like we are supposed to train our brain. I mean, there's other verses about that too, right? Yeah. Um, to like take your thoughts captive and to train our brain to think about certain things and not think about other things. So they are saying mindfulness training, breathing, um, self-compassion. And then they talk about prayer and visualization are also helpful ways to calm down. This is how culture deals with anxiety. And then they talked about negative ways to deal with it. They said a snack, a screen, a drink, or a drug. And we definitely see like yeah. how the how you would be, um, how those would be easy things to slip into. A snack, a screen, a drink, or a drug. That's how we deal with distraction. Oh, yeah, those are all basically ways like distraction or coping mechanisms. Yep. And of course, all truth is God's truth. So some of these ideas were are actually good, right? Like breathing and self-compassion and mindfulness training, all that stuff. So any of these ideas that are from culture that are helpful, including like medication and counseling and stuff like that, those are all God's gift to us for healing. So anything that's good that we find in culture um, that is true comes from God, even if they, the culture doesn't necessarily recognize it. That's one of the wonderful things about God is that he, his, his, his light can shine through the cracks um, no matter what. And yeah. he will... He will reach you no matter where you are. Yes. Um, church culture. So I didn't want to just consider like secular culture, but how does the church culture deal with fear and anxiety? And I think this varies like hugely depending on what church culture you're in. Absolutely. Um, I came up with a couple ideas. Do you have any off the top of your head, Greg, of like how, like, or what you think off the cuff like how do you think church culture generally deals with anxiety issues well i would say first and foremost it's like it's going to be drastically different if you are just attending a church service and you're not involved in any small groups or um programs at the church where you get to know people and like have actual relationships um at a like top level church uh like the you know just the just attending church i would say that in general they just kind of like this is like they're like just don't do that like god's got this i i've heard that so many times like don't be afraid like god's got this but then also those churches, also churches, will be mad about small thing and that, you know, something needs to be done or whatever. But it's like, what happened to God's got this? 
anyway, so overall, I I feel like the the response is like just don't don't have anxiety. Stop being anxious and fearing things. Like don't don't do that. Which isn't helpful. But you can't. You know, they're just trying to speak to the entire crowd and like people who aren't suffering from fear and anxiety. It'll just be like, yeah, obviously, like yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I think I've seen that in some places, the idea of, like, don't fear or that it can be stigmatized, like, you're just not praying enough or you're not trusting God enough. Right, you're not walking with God yeah. if you are dealing with fear and anxiety, which it's like Jesus himself said, like, you will have trouble in, in this world and, like, so you're going to have a bad time from time to time. Yeah. But as you said earlier, like, God's with us in it. And so it, we can be confident that it will not defeat us, but we're going to have to walk through it from time to time. And so it's really kind of, it's just dismissive and perhaps unkind uh, for that message to be put out there. Yes, I have heard positive things on the other side of it. I know there's a lot of churches that are connected with Christian counselors and will refer people Um, And then there are churches that have like groups for people who are dealing with fear and anxiety and stuff like that. So those are really like positive things. I think it's probably changing in that direction because of course, like more people are having mental health issues more recently. Yeah. And, and dealing with loss and, Mm -hmm. you know, uncertainties in regards to the future. Yeah. We are going to talk about like death and grief later in another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Which will be fun. Stay tuned for the end of most of these podcasts for when we talk about the good things. Well, that's what's <laughs> so encouraging. we talk about all these kind of downer things. That's what's so encouraging when I'm like putting some of this stuff together is because I have heard things from the church that don't make me feel better. Um, and then you check the Bible and not, a lot of times they're not necessarily true. No. Um, so we are, that's what we're going to do next is look at what the Bible says about suffering. Should we do that? Yeah, do that. yeah. Let's let's pick this thing up and give it a hug, <laughs> and uh, let's move. Let's move towards the. Don't worry, God's got your hand walking you through it with you. <laughs> it's gonna be. Ba- it's been bad. It may get worse, but He's still with us, and these are the things that the Bible tells us. Don't follow the culture. Follow God. Okay, so uh, several of the things that we're talking about during this whole season are going to apply across the board, whether we're talking about loneliness or grief or anxiety, et cetera, like any kind of suffering. So one of the first things is like just as loneliness was a result of the fall, like so is fear and anxiety. It's not how it's supposed to be. And it's not the way it's going to end because Christians will experience freedom from all suffering in heaven when God restores the world to the way it should be. And then, of course, God is always with us, and God is so compassionate with us. Even if we feel guilty because of our anxiety or other shame us because of it, God does not. God lovingly stays with us through it all, whether or not we can feel him there, and he doesn't condemn us for it. Um, I know for me, when I was dealing with anxiety, one of the things that was difficult was like I felt like I sh- it should go away, or like maybe I should just like stop doing it. But that's not what Jesus says. (laughs) 
Um, it's not that I was lacking something or not trying hard enough. That wasn't God's truth. Like that's actually lies. God doesn't tell us like, knock it off. Like there's so many times in the Bible where God and Jesus say not to fear and not to worry. And they don't mean like quit it, like knock it off, try harder. It's because there's something better for us if we, that we don't have to worry. Um, it's not because we need to try harder because we can't do anything apart from God, right? Apart right. from God, we can do nothing. So I think adding that on to ourselves or to others is really not helpful to say, well, you just are not being good. Like you're just not doing a good thing. I mean, when I was struggling the most with anxiety, I was like completely steeped in God's word, just like reciting Bible verses all the time, like constantly praying. Cause I had like nothing else to keep me going. It was very much like a, moment by moment, hour by hour, like struggle. So I wasn't, there wasn't like anything more I could do. Sometimes you just go through a difficult time and God walks with you through it. Yeah. Um, I love Psalm 103, the whole thing. The kids and I have memorized the whole Psalm, but I'm just going to read this one part that I feel like is really helpful because it helps us to see like God's expectations versus our expectations. It says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on his faithful followers. For he knows what we are made of. He realizes we are made of clay. A person's life is like grass, like a flower in the field it flourishes, but when the hot wind blows by, it disappears, and one can no longer even spot the place where it once grew. But the Lord continually shows loyal love for his faithful followers and is faithful to their descendants. So God compares us to grass. (laughs) And Clay says he knows what we're made of. He has compassion on us. He doesn't expect us to be able to conquer anxiety on our own. Like he he just doesn't. Maybe we think we can conquer it on our own, but that's not God's expectation. He has compassion on us. And even when we struggle, he continually shows loyal love to us and he's faithful to us. And that's, that's where our hope lies. Like not in our self trying to figure it out. That's a good word. It's good to remember. Um, another part is that we need community and we're not meant to do this alone. So while we have everything that we need through Christ, like he also gives us people to help us, whether that's a counselor or a medical professional or friends or family or someone in church. And I think that obviously was one of the huge struggles during the pandemic is a lot of those relationships like weren't available. Yeah. The isolation was so was, hard. Isolation was really hard. And that, that's what I was alluding to earlier and comparing like, you know, if you're just attending a church, but you're not participating, you haven't made friends or anything like you, you have, you have a much different experience, uh, if you know people and they know you, uh, and you spend time weekly with them at the very least, you know, so that they can, they can check how you're doing with genuine concern and you can check on how they're doing with genuine concern. And like you, as we talked about, I believe in uh, at least one podcast ago, um, like you are seen yeah, and acknowledged and you feel uh, like loved and like wanted uh, in that environment. Yeah. Um, in the last podcast about loneliness, I think we were talking about that. Yeah, maybe. I forget. Which one it was exactly. Um, but yeah, that, you know, just the, the affirmation that you are, 
you are a person and you have been here and we see you and like we acknowledge you and you are welcome and um you have someone who's in who's like doing life with you and they know you well enough that there's a comfort level to share your struggles um and you know that you're not going to be like dismissed or laughed off or told god's got this stop worrying um it, it means a lot and that's the community that um was lost when we were all doing online um online church and remote church and um it's a struggle yeah so a good reminder if this is not something you're currently struggling with like you can reach out to someone and you don't have to do anything amazing you can like text or call someone or just ask them how they are or tell them that you're praying for them or yeah it doesn't have to be big and you know a huge time commitment or anything it's just reaching out to someone um, and then another biblical truth is that unlike how culture handles it, we are not to solve this in our own power. We only battle anxiety and fear in God's power. Yeah. And that's the power that actually matters because yeah. uh, ours will give out and his will not. There you go. <laughs> and then when we turn to God in our struggles, we're moving towards victory. So this is something that's, helpful to think about as we suffer like in a more chronic way that like sometimes we can feel defeated because it's still there it's not gone yeah Um, but whenever we battle like this can also be a spiritual battle anxiety and fear um, as well as an emotional mental and physical struggle so in those moments when we choose to focus on god or choose to pray even as we suffer we glorify him and defy the darkness so even though you might still be suffering from anxiety if you choose to pray or you choose to recite scripture or you choose to like hope like there you're giving god glory even in the midst of that struggle Mm -hmm. and there's power in that too yeah and i've i've had times when i've like you know i've gone to a screen or a snack like to deal with my anxiety and then later I've thought to myself, like, I should have spent time, like, reading the Bible or, like, praying or trying to memorize scriptures instead. Like, that was not a good use of my time. Um, I'm still not doing great with that, but, uh, you know, at least I feel it in my soul that I, like, that was, I, that was not the best way for me to have handled my stress and anxiety or you know, my idle time or whatever that I need to spend. I need to personally spend more time in God's word and in prayer, um, lifting my petitions and needs and struggles up to him and letting them go. Cause it really doesn't do me any good to hold on to them and worry about them myself when I'm doing what I can do about it. Um, and it's not, I'm not going to solve it my own, on my own. Yeah. Um, God doesn't always place a challenge in our life so that we'll turn to him. That's not necessarily the reason that we suffer, but we can always use a challenge in our life to bring us to him. Um, one example is we had, um, 
several years ago, we had a child who really had some difficulty with a lot of issues that were causing a lot of big discipline problems. We weren't really sure how to deal well with this child. And we tried a lot of different things. And basically we realized like we tried all, all the stuff and nothing's working. And, um, it was because of that, that we regularly started praying together every night. Um, yeah, because that was the option. And like, we're still doing that today. Um, and that is a spiritual win. Do you know what I mean? Like we have these temporal things, like a child has a discipline issue or we're suffering from fear and anxiety, but then we have these eternal things like where we can glorify God and do something meaningful. Um, as a result. That's a win. Yeah. <laughs> and then one of our last, um, biblical principles before we stop is from Job. So you want to read Job 42? Yeah. Then Job replied to the Lord. I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You ask, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, and I was talking about things I do not un- did not understand, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. Yeah, so this is near the end of Job, and basically, even though we know why Job has had all the suffering in his life, Job never knows. At least the Bible doesn't seem that he ever knows the reasons why. And of course, we always want to know why when we're suffering. And we think we want answers, but what we really want is God. And that's what Job is recognizing here, that he is satisfied, not because he has answers to why he had so many struggles in his life, but that God was with him and that God is trustworthy because God is so much higher and greater and more wonderful than we are. And so I think that's helpful to remember. We, we don't know why we're suffering is that we don't really want answers. We want God. Yeah. And then all the temporal things will pass, but like if we have God, then he's all we need. Um, Even though it's super hard sometimes. Really hard. It's like what one of our sons used to say. It's just super hard for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So I have so much more that we want to say that we're going to split this into two podcasts, as we said. So next time we are going to talk about some practical ideas for dealing with fear and anxiety and um, more from scripture about how Jesus cares for us. It's going to be really encouraging. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how do we parent to help our kids deal with fear and anxiety Um, and about how God shows more compassion on people because we can't hear that enough. So definitely come back for the podcast next time when we finish up this topic. And that's all I have. All right. Do you want to do the benediction? Love to. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we may be able to comfort those experiencing any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow toward us, so also our comfort through Christ overflows to you. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, 
It is for your comfort that you experience in your patient endurance of the same sufferings that we also suffer. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you share in our sufferings, so also you will share in our comfort. Thank you for listening. We appreciate all of our listeners and we're praying for you. If you'll take two minutes to rate and review our podcast, we would be so grateful. For more information on today's episode and to check out the show notes, head to theologymeetsreality.com. And until next time, follow Christ, not culture.